0: We're privileged this morning to have with us one of the students at the Memphis School of Preaching. Each year, during the week of the Bible Bowl, the elders invite one of the students we support to come and to preach. And uh, this year, the student who has come is Brother Brian Briscoe. He is from Mississippi. Uh, He has a wife named Francesca, a two-year-old son named Noah, and a three-month-old daughter named Nova. And uh, we're glad to have him with us. He works with the Nesbitt congregation while he is attending school there. And we're so thankful to have Brian with us. Brian, would you come and preach for us this morning? I'm going to say first that I'm thankful to be here. And I'm thankful for this congregation for supporting me as I attend the school Um and I know the school is thankful for your support as well. David was one who had it all. God had taken him from being a shepherd boy and had elevated him to being king of all Israel. And his kingdom was expanded far beyond the kingdom of Saul. And the Lord even said unto him, if that had been too little, I would have given unto thee such and such things. Uh, Second Samuel twelve eight. David was faithful to the Lord. We can read of him praying to God and time after time inquiring of the Lord before making major decisions and burning the idols of the pagans as God commanded, Deuteronomy 7, 5. The Bible described David as a man after God's own heart, 1 Samuel 13, 14. Then one day, David made a decision that would blemish his good name forever. A day that he would regret for the rest of his life would be the day that he chose to despise the commandment of the Lord and to do evil in his sight, 2 Samuel twelve nine. In this lesson, we will notice David's sin, his attempt to cover his sin, and then we will see the consequences that resulted from his sin. First, let us notice David's sin. One evening, David, awakened from a sleep, walked upon the roof of his house, and he saw a woman in the distance bathing herself. This is verse 2 of 2 Samuel 11. Now, he did not know that she was out there, so he saw her by mistake or accident. And the Bible says that she was very beautiful to look upon, verse 2. Now, there is nothing sinfully wrong with admiring the beauty of another. The sin comes in is when one goes beyond admiring the beauty of another and starts to lust sexually after one who is not his or her spouse. Jesus said those who look upon the one in such a way actually commit adultery in their heart. He said, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart, Matthew 5:28. And David obviously looked upon her with lustful thoughts. Now, this ought to give us an idea of how we can cause our brother or sister to stumble by the way we dress, by, the, by our appearance. We ought to dress modestly. We can cause others to stumble just by the way we dress, by the way we look. We should not be seeking to do that, we should want to do the opposite. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy that the women are to adorn themselves with modest apparel, uh, with, shame, with shamefastness and sobriety, as a woman professing godliness. And that's what we ought to do. We are to glorify God in our bodies. As soon as he seen that Bathsheba was uncovered, he should have went back into his house. But instead, what did he do? He let his carnal desires get the best of him. He should have acted as Joseph did when Potiphar's wife tried time and time again to get him to lie with her. He fled from her, having said, How then could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Genesis 39, 9 and 12. Joseph was not going to have anything to do with it. Joseph was faithful to God. Verse 3, And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is this this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So after watching David, after watching this woman, David, sent and inquired of her. This is why we should not think or ponder on sinful things. Because if we continue to do that, we will find ourselves acting these things out. James wrote, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. James one fourteen and fifteen. So we, we, we think on these things, we ponder on these things, we lust after these things. Soon a lust can conceive, and there will be sin, and sin bringeth death if it is unrepented of. Sin brings death, for the wages of sin is death, Romans six twenty-three, but through the blood of Christ, through the grace of God, we can have our sins forgiven. And that is through the water of uh, the, uh, the, the, we, we reach the blood in the waters of baptism, Acts 22:16. We must set our minds on godly things, things that are eternal. Paul wrote, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. John wrote, for all that is of the world, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. But the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. First John two sixteen and seventeen. We must seek those things that are eternal, not things that are temporal. This is the uh, attitude that Moses had. The writer of Hebrews said, "By faith Moses." When he was come, to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Hebrews 11:24 and 25. The pleasures of sin only last for a season. And things of this life are only for a season. He said, What is your life but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away? We need to seek those things that are eternal. David then sent messengers to bring her to him, even after he found out that she was married, verse 4. And David already had multiple wives, which was against the will of God to begin with. Uh, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh, Genesis 2, 24. Jesus made this clear when he uh, told the Pharisees, who were trying to trick him up by asking him all these foolish questions, that it was never the will of God for a man to have more than one living wife. He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be, and shall marry another, except it be for fornication, and shall, uh, shall commit adultery, and whosoever marries her which is put away doth commit adultery. Matthew nineteen eight and 9. Now, brethren, that is the Bible. That is the word of God. And we, and the word of God cannot be broken. The only way one can divorce his spouse is for fornication and can remarry. One may wonder also why God allowed polygamy to go on in that day and time. And I don't know the answer, but just because he allowed it to go on does not mean that he approved of it. Uh, of course, the Bible, speaking of such things, says, and at the time of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, Acts 17, 30. So Bathsheba came in unto him, and he lay with her, and then she, she returned back home, verse 4. So by, at this time, Bathsheba, who was married to Uriah the Hittite, had committed adultery with David. She was possibly drawn to him by his looks. The Bible described him as having a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to, 1 Samuel 16, 12. Or maybe she was drawn to him by his power, by the power that he possessed for of being king of Israel. You know, many, many look upon the outward appearances, social statuses, and occupations of others and from that try to determine what manner of persons they are. Studies show that Attractive people are more likely to get jobs, promotions, leniency in legal matters or disputes and and, and assistance from others when need of help over one who is less attractive. The rich are treated better than the common or the poor. Why? Because the world perceives them as being special. But how does God look upon mankind? How does God see us? When Samuel was looking for the king that would replace Saul, he was looking for someone mighty, someone great. But what did God say unto him? The Bible says, 1 Samuel 16:7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on, the, not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For man seeth not as the Lord seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart of an individual, and that's what we should do. We should not judge one by his outward appearance, socialist status, or, or whatever. We should judge them by their fruits. We should not be a respecter of persons. James had a lot to say about this in James chapter 2. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. If they're coming unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and they're coming also a man with... Vile raiment, and thou, and, you, and you show respect to the one that weareth the gay clothing, saying, "Sit thou here in a good seat, and say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit thou here under my footstool." Are you not then become partial and judges of evil thoughts? So to judge someone in that sort of way, to treat one different because they look different, because they don't make enough money, or because they don't look as good, or, or, what, or whatever the case. James said that's an evil that's an evil thing. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves Matthew 19:19. 19, 19. And Peter also said of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but within in every nation he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him Acts 10:34. Now that we have seen David's sin, let us look at his uh, attempt to cover his sin. David had committed two sins at this point. He had broken the seventh commandment by committing adultery, uh, Exodus 20.14, and he had violated the tenth commandment by coveting his neighbor's wife, Exodus 20.17. And at this time, adultery was punishable by death, uh, Leviticus 20.10. But of course, David, being the king of Israel, wasn't going to be put to death. So David probably thought that he was going to be able to keep this affair with Uriah, uh, this affair with Bathsheba, Uriah's uh, wife, a secret. Likewise, Bathsheba probably thought that she would be able to keep this a secret from her husband. And sadly, this would be the case. Because one day, David gets the frightening news that Bathsheba is pregnant. Verse 5, And the woman conceived and sent and told David, I am with child, 1 Samuel 11, five. Now normally this would be a joyous occasion and is to those who are within a marital relationship. But unto Bathsheba and David, this is bad news because it would reveal the sin that they had hoped to keep unknown. We may think that what we do in secret will not be made known. But God sees everything. He knows everything. There is nothing hidden from him, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Proverbs five twenty one. For the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Proverbs fifteen three. So God sees all things. If we would keep this in our mind. We may not do some of the things that we may do, you know, in, in, behind closed doors. We may be more cautious about what we do, about what we say, about what we think. Because he knows the thoughts of men as well. There are some who do evil and go through life undetected, though, who, who don't suffer any consequences for their actions. But in the end, they will still have to give an account to God, for everything we do, everything we say, everything that we think. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Ecclesiastes 12 14. Moses told the Gadites and the Reubenites, if they did not go across the Jordan armed for war, then they sinned against the Lord, and that their sins would find them out. Numbers 32 23. David. So what David did was devise the plan that he, that he would make uh, to cover up his sin. He would devise the plan that he would try to make the unborn child seem to be the child of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. So David sent for Uriah and then tried to get him to go down to his house in hopes that he would lay with his wife and then everything would be all right. But since um, Uriah was such a good, loyal, and, and reliable soldier to David's army, of all things, he, he did not go down to there. He wanted to stay. He, he felt like that would be wrong for him to go and stay at home while his soldiers are out in the field. So his plan failed. Verse 9 says, But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. So in, this, in seeing that Uriah was such a loyal and eager soldier and ready to get back on the field with his fellow soldiers, David then committed another sin by getting Uriah drunk, hoping, th- thinking maybe then he would go down to his house. But then again, still, his plan failed. Verse 13, And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his lord, but went not down To his house. So David finally realizes that his plan is not going to work. And so what does he do? He switches to plan B, which is to have Uriah killed. Uh, Verse 14 to 15. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. 2 Samuel 11, 14 and 15. So here we have Uriah, who was ignorant to what he was doing. He went being so loyal to David, and he got the letter, and he, and he was walking, and he took it to Joab. He had his own death warrant, and he didn't even know it. And so Joab received the letter, and then um, in the order of the king was carried out, which resulted in Uriah's death. And so this news gets back to David, and now finally he can, re- he can have some relief because he cannot hide the pregnancy. So he was probably a nervous wreck trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do to get myself out of this situation? So what did he do? He decided that the answer to his problem was to have Uriah killed, and not only to have him killed, murdered, but to have it look like he was killed in battle. So what was adultery had now turned into murder. You know, oftentimes sin leads to more sin because we have we, we commit a sin, we have to do another sin to, co- to try to cover this sin up, and the cycle continues until one is totally, um, totally consumed by it or in having to live out the consequences of it. Now that we have noticed David's attempt to cover his sin, let us notice the consequences of David's sin. David went on with his life. He probably thought him and. Uh, Bathsheba probably thought they had it made. You know, nobody knows about what happened. He went on with his life. He took Bathsheba as his wife, and she had his child. So at least nine months had passed since these evil deeds they had done. And then out of nowhere, the Lord sent unto him Nathan the prophet. And Nathan was to speak a parable unto him. And I'm going to read what went on here. 2 Samuel 12, 2 through 4. I'm going to read 1 through 4. And the Lord sent unto, sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the one poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children, and did eat it did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup, and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter there came a traveler unto the rich man verse 4 and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him now when david heard this he not yet he he didn't know yet that this parable was about him. And when he heard this, he got very angry. He was so angry that he swore before God that this rich man would be put to death and that he would restore the poor man fourfold. And I want to ask the question, are we sometimes quick to judge others for doing some of the same things that we do or used to do? Do we condemn others or look down on them for committing some trespass as if it can never happen to us? or uh, We can never fall into such temptation and sin in such a way as this person did. We need not to have that attitude. Paul said we are to consider ourselves in such instances. Brethren, if any man be overtaken with a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one with the spirit of meekness. Why, Paul, lest thyself also be tempted. Galatians 6, 1. We need to watch ourselves and not look down on people for doing certain things as if it can never happen to us. And this is the attitude that David had. And, And all along, he had done something much more worse, much more evil. David was not considering himself when he condemned this rich man. We must examine ourselves before we cast judgment upon another. Nathan then reveals that the parable is about David by saying, Thou art the man. We, we must respect Nathan as well. Nathan, uh, he was not afraid to hurt David's feelings. So many people today are afraid to tell people the truth because, well, I'm going to hurt their feelings or I don't want to offend them. Well, we're doing them justice. We're doing them right. That's the loving thing to do is to tell one when he is wrong or where he has gone wrong. But we can do it in a respectable and loving way. We don't have to be hateful about it. So we disrespect Nathan for what, how, what he's doing here. He's obeying God. God sent him to say this. So when we tell someone that they're wrong today and we're so hateful for it, well, Nathan must be so hateful for what he said to David. Nathan reveals that the parable is about David by saying, Thou art the man. Thou art the man, David. David's guilt then says sin, just as those on the day of Pentecost were flicked, plit, pricked in their hearts by the claim that they had crucified the Lord. David is pricked in the heart, and he is, his guilt says sin, because after nine months at least, his sins have found him out. They have caught up with him. David cannot keep his sins or evil deeds a secret from God. And we must all give account before God on the day of judgment of how we have lived our lives and we will be judged by his word. Jesus said, whosoever rejecteth me receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. John 12, 48. The word. We must live by the word. This is what is going to judge us on the judgment. Did we study it? Did we learn it? Did we live by it? Did we teach our children? And on the day of judgment, many will be just as surprised as David when Nathan said unto him, Thou art the man. There are going to be so many surprised people. Jesus has done told us. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say unto me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out many devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, Matthew 7:21 through 23. Unknowingly, David, by judging this rich man, worthy of death, actually condemned himself. And there is a verse in Romans that ex- describes this perfectly, it said Romans 2.1, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou, thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same thing. The Lord, speaking through Nathan, proceeded to tell him of the repercussions of his sins. He said that the sword shall never depart from thine house, meaning that David is from here on out going to have problems within his family. You know, sin can cause problems within one's family. It can affect those around him. It destroys families. Think about adultery, divorce. How, How does that destroy a family? homosexuality, they have them uh, adopting children now. How is that going to affect them children? First, David's child was to conceive in adultery, that, that was conceived in adultery by Bathsheba, was struck by the Lord and became very sick, and he passed away. David's son, Amnon, ended up forcing himself on his sister, Tamar, which resulted in his death by his brother, Absalom. And Absalom rebelled against his father and went in unto his concubines in the sight of all of Israel and tried to kill his father because he wanted to be king. He wanted to take the throne from his own father. Now David could have possibly prevented his family from suffering so much turmoil and tragedy if he would have done one simple thing, if he would have went back into the house when he seen Bathsheba that day. But what did he, he didn't do that. There are many people today, I, think, like, I guarantee you, in prison who think if I had not done that one thing, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't be here. Just one little sin can lead to destruction. We need not overlook small what we may consider something small. So many people are saying, I wish I wouldn't have drunk that first beer. I wish I wouldn't have, now I'm an alcoholic. I wish I wouldn't have, it may, it took in that first hit, now I'm a drug addict. Sin leads to destruction. But although David was guilty of sin and he suffered dearly for it, he did not give up. He, rep- he confessed his sin, he repented of his sin, and he got back up and he served God. He said in Psalm 51, 12, and 13, Restore me unto the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee we also must not let sin keep us down when we sin we must repent, confess our sins and get back up and know and trust that the Lord has forgiven us of our sins as he promised and we know the Lord is faithful in all things he cannot lie he has forgiven us if we are truly repentant and confessed our sins we need to not feel the guilt of it anymore and serve him and continue doing the work of the Lord we must keep fighting the good fight of faith as Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 6:12. We have seen how David sinned, his attempt to cover his sins and the consequences that followed his sins. We have noticed how sin can often affect or lead to more sin, how it can destroy the one who sins and also affect those who are around him. Sin was definitely an inconvenience, destructive and tragedy in David's life. With all the problems that it caused. I bet he looked back many times. Why did I do that? He probably grieved over this every day. May we not bring the same problems. Tribulations and tragedy. Into our lives by doing. Or making the same mistakes. That David made. If you were here this morning. And you were not a Christian. You may. Do so by believing that Jesus is the Son of God. First, you must hear the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. So then by faith, so by faith, so by hearing by the Word of God. You must be hear by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Then we must believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8:24. 24. If thou believest that I am not he, thou shalt die in thy sins. For if ye believeth not that I am him, ye shall die in your sins. And then we must repent of our sins, uh, Luke thirteen three. I tell you, Nay! But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And then we must confess. We must be willing to confess Christ before men, just as the youth, eunuch did, the Ethiopian eunuch. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That is the perfect example. And Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess to Me before men, Him will I confess before My Father in heaven. Matthew ten thirty two. And then we must submit to being baptized to have our sins washed away. To give us a good conscience toward God, 1 Peter 3:21. Uh, Peter told them, "Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins." Acts 2:38. And three thousand people did that, and we know for sure that they were saved because the Lord said that and they were added. They did, were gladly were baptized. They did, gladly received His word and were baptized. Were added unto the church. And about three thousand souls were added unto them, and they continued steadfastly. We must continue serving the Lord. Uh, joining on the first day of the week, partaking of the Lord's Supper, praying, giving, singing praises unto God as he has commanded us. And if we must continue living faithfully unto death, Revelation 2.10, and he will give us a crown of life. And if you are here and you want to, if you have already repented of some sin and you want to get the prayers of the congregation, the prayers uh, of the saints, as James 5.16 talks about, then you may do that as well. Or if you want to repent of some sin publicly, then you may do that as well, and we will pray for you, and thank you for your time. If, if you are subject to the invitation, please come as we stand and sing.